Hi everyone, welcome to Inbound After Hours, episode four. Today we have a special guest with us. We're going to be talking uh, inbound sales and marketing. We have uh, Dermot Walsh from uh, all the way from Dublin, from Ireland. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. How's things? Things are good. Yeah. Apart from nearly getting killed in the motorway. I know. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Larry nearly ran us over, but we managed to yeah. survive and tell the tale. Got here on the podcast yeah, exactly. safely. Out <laughs> of respect, we've all we've all got the Guinness. We've just, we've literally, just put it on the table and done it. Very warm outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to get another round in again. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate that. So let's um, let's fire some questions at you, Dermot, see if cool. you can help. Tell us, um, tell us your story, how, how you ended up at HubSpot and what you do there. Yeah, cool. So I've been with HubSpot now for three and a half years. I joined the European headquarters, which are located in Dublin. Um, and I joined actually, for, lucky in one way, because I was in Vancouver before that, and I worked for SAP for almost four years in enterprise software sales. And before that, I worked in financial services and sales as well in Dublin. So my background is very sales focused. Um, and when I came back from Vancouver, the first week I was back, I actually had it in my inbox and LinkedIn, a message from HubSpot seeing if I'd be interested to relocate from Vancouver. <laughs> back, back, back to Dublin. Nice. You yeah. one step ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's a very serendipitous moment. And I got, tracking. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> back to Declan, I said, Declan, I'm actually um, in the markets, I've just literally arrived back in Dublin and looking for a job, so one thing led to the other, and I started there in November 2013 as a channel account executive, so my role um, for the first year was predominantly bringing on board new agencies like yourselves, I think Ricky, you yeah. joined about three and a half years ago. Speak about that, yeah. You so once you told me I was very easy to close, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm offended yeah. at that or not, I can't quite is that true? I can't really remember. So, so the first year predominantly is bringing on board new agencies and making sure that we're bringing on board the right type of agencies. Uh, and what I mean by the right type of agencies, agencies who ultimately want to build a retainer service model for their own business. Um, we were solving the problem that a lot of agencies face, whereby their revenue model is predominantly project-based. Mm. They struggle with cash flow management um, and they struggle with growing, I suppose, an existing client because they come in, they do the project and then they don't hear from maybe for another two or three years. Mm. Uh, and also HubSpot as a company, you know, they have designed and developed an inbound marketing platform around the inbound marketing methodology. So that, as we know, is you know, there's four key pillars. and. Agencies like Ricky came on board with a view of making sure that they could deliver this methodology back to their clients and bring clients on board in a retainer for the simple reason being it takes time to prove prove a value and it's something that's continuous as opposed to project based. Yeah. So that was the first year and then after the first year um, you begin to manage agencies. So I now manage about uh, probably between 45 to 50 agencies predominantly based in the UK. Agencies will have two um, two points of contact typically in HubSpot. It will be myself, where I will help agencies sell inbound marketing, yeah. um, the retainers to their clients, and help advise, business consult um, on uh, sales methodologies and implement sales processes for their business. 
and then agencies will also have a channel consultant who will ultimately help them utilize the technology for your own business and also for your client's business. Mm-hmm. So my job at the moment really is going out meeting you guys, building the relationship, meeting clients, talking to clients, understanding their needs and um, really kind of helping agencies scale and hopefully agencies grow their business and bring on board more, more, more retainers. Mm, I mean, that's interesting. From your last company, was that more project-based? So you had to learn the entire inbound sales methodology when you moved to HubSpot, or was you familiar with that already? No, no, because HubSpot as a company are only around, they're actually celebrating their 11th birthday this June, so next month. Mm. So they're in their 10th year, and um, when I joined three and a half years ago, I had never even heard the word inbound <laughs> yeah. until I heard of HubSpot. Yeah. Um, so during the interview process, I essentially did a crash course myself, learning all about the company, and not so much about the technology, but just more about the methodology, and really understanding this whole inside concept, inbound concept, and it just seemed to um, resonate and make a lot of sense. Great. Um, so the first thing I tell a lot of people about why we do inbound is because when you, <coughs> when you read it for the first time or when you learn about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Mm. And all good things do, it's like, mm. why have we not done it like that before? I think yeah. that's the amazing thing. Yeah, I mean, like, fun- fundamentally, buyers today, you know, we've got way more, way more power in terms of checking out review websites, um, checking out a company's web page, checking out the pricing. We don't necessarily need to engage with a sales executive until we're very near making a, I suppose, a decision on the purchase. You know, typically they say 60%, marketeers now are responsible for the first 60% of that buyer's journey. Never before have marketeers had such power in enabling the success for a mm. business. Um, so it just, it, it made a lot of sense and the great thing about the role is that, you know, Ricky, you came on with Perry. Yeah. There was just the two of you. Yeah. Um, and in the last three years, you've doubled your business every year. Yeah. So you now have what, 16, 17 employees? 16 of us here now, yeah. yeah so 16, it's been 17, a, yeah. It's been a good journey for us. Mm. Um, it's great. Certainly. I like that analogy. What have you mentioned this, Ricky? It's like the salesman five, ten years ago, you go into a car showroom and That's you rely on the, the car salesman to pick you a car. Yeah. But nowadays, you've done your research online, you know what car, what colour, you know the spec, you come in and you, you're straight to the guy. You I want to buy that. What's the best price? That's the only thing they're doing now, isn't it? Yes. Just, a yeah. long form purchase like that where you do research it. Yeah. That's, it, I just feel like going in and coming to the chase and go, just give me your actual best price. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll go next door and get their actual best price. Mm. And, and a lot of car, even car salesmen who've probably got the worst rep in sales are, are changing to that. Because when I, when I mm. bought the last car, the guy at Volkswagen was telling me they don't actually get commission anymore on sales. Right. They get commissioned on client satisfaction. So and retention after, as well. And retention. Yeah. So after you buy a Volkswagen, they send you a survey. If you rated their services good, they get a bonus. But if they sold you a car and you didn't rate the services good, they wouldn't get anything. Which is delight. Which, which is, yeah, yeah, it is. And it's interesting that it even is. in the, the most extreme cases of like car sales, I'm sure it's not like the city second hand garage, but in those cases, they're even noticing mm. how buyers have changed and people are just walking through the door and knowing exactly what they want. You'll notice it as well. Charlotte's got a mini, like yeah. yours. Um, and then they're 
brilliant at that this year. Oh, yeah. no, it's the yeah. same, isn't it? Videos. Oh, this one's just come in. I thought you might be interested yeah, in just taking yeah, Give got... me a ring if you want to come in and view it. I'll yeah. keep hold of it for you till next week. Yeah. No, they subscribe to But they also, they all say as well, like, yeah, definitely go to so-and-so and get another price. Yeah. Yeah. It's creepy around, isn't it? No, absolutely. Well, that's great, Dermot. So, we, most of our listeners, 90% are marketing professionals, where I know your persona is us guys, which are agencies who help marketing professionals. So, we want to sort of try and help these guys more today. So, could you just give us a bit more insight and description on the sales methodology or inbound sales as a whole, just mm-hmm. trying to educate the listeners? Yeah, I think, I think the, there's the, the, the big shift at the moment, there was, I mean, like we have um, an internal meeting called smarketing and essentially I love that word by the way so essentially what it is it's, it's sales and marketing together yeah, yeah. Great. and HubSpot is a platform we have our marketing platform yeah. we now have our CRM platform yeah. and we have our sales product platform so the marketing platform is designed to help marketeers the CRM is ultimately designed to help salespeople keep track of those leads and then the sales platform is actually designed to help or really enable salespeople to be more effective at their job at closing deals. So what is key and what we're seeing more and more of you need for marketing to work and for sales to work you need to have a very close alignment of both departments. They both need to understand and very key they both need to respect one another. Too many times within an organization, salespeople don't believe that marketing is really doing anything because yeah. they feel that they're sourcing their own leads, mm-hmm. but their leads they're generating from the marketing team aren't good leads and they're giving out about that and then they just decide to rubbish everything that marketing do. Yeah. And similarly, marketing people feel that they're not getting any, I suppose, kudos from the salespeople, salespeople for the business that they're actually closing. And I think a lot of marketers have quite intimidated by going in and talking to sales. I think if you think they're going to open a store and it's going to be like Wolf of Wall Street in there, there's going to be people on the phones yeah. jumping on the desk. I think that's the vision marketers have of sales is it's quite, it's quite intimidating, it's quite cold, it's quite hard, whereas most marketers are quite soft and introvert characters, aren't you? So <coughs> actually bringing two completely different personalities together is, is often quite hard. Well, I'm the sales director for a company and she... It's not like Wolf of Wall Street. Before I got a job in, before I worked in marketing and like wanted to, she was like, mm, it's all, it's all airy-fairy. You don't really want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the process is so different as well. The, the marketers take, especially the email, take all this time creating this content planning it out, doing the research and building it and designing it. Salespeople just want the immediate result and that that is that gap, isn't it? The inbound process is a bit more drawn out, a lot more drawn out than the traditional sales process of that instant, yeah. pick up the phone, get the result or, or don't and where they're going, just take your time, we'll, yeah. we'll nurture them, you know, we'll bring them and they'll eventually be like, we're really happy to speak to you and it's, it's just an education like gap of bringing some meeting in the middle with this marketing of yeah. let's do a bit of this and as marketers we can give sales so much context and information through HubSpot through the stuff we're writing and they will therefore you know it's, it's new for salespeople to know about stuff about the people they're ringing up and, and know all the, where they've been what they've looked at what they're interested in and why they should work with us before they've actually rang and asked them those questions they already know that yeah and I think the key thing is like we, we where your job now is becoming more important as an agency 
is when you go into companies is to link both of these departments together. Mm. Yeah. And a key thing that mark like inbound marketing fundamentally at, at, at the start of it, it's about finding people when they're searching. So it's about finding an inbound lead. Yeah. Mm. Somebody who's actually searching for a particular product or service. And key questions that marketeers should be asking the salespeople will be can you list me the top ten questions mm-hmm. you're typically answered at, that you're typically asked yeah. in relation to the product or service that we're providing. Yeah. And then marketeers' role should be how are we getting value for these top ten mm-hmm. questions? Right. Yeah. The reality is most companies if they just do that simple exercise not only will, well, well, not only, <laughs> but not, not, not only will they not be getting found for any of those long term yeah. keywords. Probably their competitors will be getting found for them either. No. So it show, this is one of the big, big I suppose opportunities of inbound marketing. It, it shows you, you know, the blue ocean opportunity there for companies. And inbound marketing is a relatively new concept yeah. for those companies that embrace it now at the early stages. This is where you'll start to really see the benefits and getting found for those particular long tail keywords that will resonate with essentially your buyer persona. I think it's quite nice actually the way you put that for marketers anyway to sort of come up with all these ideas and they're really relying on to be generating this this you know the goal that the sales team are going to use down the line and that's a really quick win because the marketers are going to like that because it saves them a job because yeah. we've got it from the like, the horse's mouth so to speak and then sales team are going to get what they want answered very quickly so it's it's helping us anyway to get stuff what we you know get it done and then it's the results are going to kind of follow this is a long tail thing because there'll be for every question that the sales team says that they get asked mm-hmm. there'll be 10 long tail versions of that won't there yeah, yeah eight or less yeah. 10 times 10 there's 100 blocks yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah. it helps you as a marketer no, exactly, exactly and if you type in those long tail keywords if you then go down to the bottom of the page yeah. Google mm-hmm. will have similar Google suggestions yeah. so then okay take those similar suggestions and then what you've got to be doing is creating a lot of valuable remarkable relevant content around all of those long tail keywords yeah. and that's where you can begin to get found essentially by the audience you want to get found for mm-hmm. and, and they so will be the hottest leads yeah, you can yeah. potentially get. And so few people doing inbound or doing inbound well. Well, yeah. And there's so so fewer amount of people going and speaking to sales and taking this marketing approach to mm-hmm. inbound. Yeah. That you can pretty much guarantee whatever vertical you're in, you're not going to be competing with 20, 30, 40, 50 companies for those keywords, are you? Like you say, <coughs> chances are you're probably going to be the only one writing content about that stuff. At the most, there's going to be one or two others, and it's a really, it's a really long hanging fruit for marketers, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, for for sure. And then, you know, market marketers, as I mentioned already, the sales process now typically, uh, marketeers have the power to control the first sixty percent of the buyer's journey. Sixty, yeah. And so, what that means is that never before has marketeers had such power to influence, essentially, your audience. But they also now have the opportunity to really impress themselves upon the sales team because not only are they generating really good leads, but you guys are a HubSpot agency. So you use HubSpot as the inbound technology to deliver your services to your clients. And the big benefit from that standpoint is that you then as an agency are holding yourself accountable because with HubSpot, all of the tools are in one platform. 
So you're able to prove out ROI to your clients. And the three key metrics that you would report back to your clients will be traffic to the website, leads generated as a result of that traffic, and thirdly, and most importantly, number of customers. But you're also giving leads to your salespeople. Aren't, these leads aren't just inbound leads, but you're giving them a huge amount of data around each of these leads. So in the contact record, you know, you can filter each contact, you know, what pages did they last view, what emails were open, what emails weren't opened. There's probably about a, a criteria there of like 30 that you can filter through. So now as a salesperson, I have an inbound lead, but not only is it an inbound lead, I know what information they viewed, when they were last on their website, what emails they've opened, what emails they haven't opened, what blogs they've read, what blogs they haven't read. So as a salesperson, I now have a huge amount of power. Not only is it an inbound lead, but I can actually send an email that's very contextualized in terms of what they have viewed. But more importantly, I can pick up the telephone and I can say, Ricky, I see you're checking out this particular blog around lead generation. Do you have a particular problem around this? So the, the, most, the, the hardest part of a sales cycle probably is, probably that, Realistically, it's probably the first thirty seconds. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's building that little bit of rapport. It's becoming that trusted advisor, and the HubSpot technology. What you're ultimately doing is you're enabling salespeople to have way more data around a particular lead, giving them a much better chance of converting that lead into a customer. That's really true because how annoying is it when someone brings cold calls mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, are you alright?" How's your day going? You're like, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've got to jump in right up to that paper, yeah. isn't it? I can yeah. see you've viewed this, but skip the bullshit. I'd come in. Yeah, <laughs> I think as well, if people have given information across willingly. They're sort of, especially if they give you the phone number and you ring them, they're not going to ask you why you've rang them. You think, well, you downloaded this you know, guide and you've read X, Y, and Z, and I want to help you with that, and you were already serving them something and answering something they might not even ask you you know specifically but question i've i've got for there is um with a lead you know what us as marketers call a lead sometimes salespeople say well that's not that's not a lead you know <laughs> a lead we've got this full spectrum of awareness consideration and decision and people who are slightly further up and the, the typical the bulk of the marketing that you do is very early stage research and the workflow does um, bring people down, but sometimes we're sort of sat at that middle stage, and the sales people still want to speak to those. So how how do you bridge that gap between someone who's desperate to buy something, which a traditional you know someone walking off that car uh, yeah. phone call, mm-hmm. that's a lead, isn't it? Because they want the car. There's a generation of salespeople used to being given decision based leads, people who were ready to buy, isn't there? And now. Salespeople have to adapt to be given awareness-based leads, consideration-based leads, people who are really early in the buyer's journey. I think the ability of the salesperson to hold someone's hand, be consultative, not realise I'm not going to close them this month, but if I add value now, I'll close them in two, three months. That's, that's, that's the sellers now. That's quite a big yeah, shift. I, 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 think as well, I think as well, it comes down to when you're actually sitting there between the marketing team and the sales team, and you come to an agreement, when do you actually pass this lead? Yeah. over to sales yeah. and it might vary between company to company industry to industry it might vary between how confident you know the sales director will be in the sales skills of their actual yeah. sales executives but typically you don't really want to pass that lead 
over until they essentially become marketing qualified or sales qualified. Most they typically mean the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And then it's up to you to kind of whiteboard that out in terms of what is a marketing qualified lead. Yeah. Is it somebody who has been to your website three times? Yeah. Is it somebody who has just come to your website and checked the pricing page? Is it somebody who's mm-hmm. come straight to your website and maybe downloaded a trial if it's software that you're selling? Mm-hmm. Um, so that might automatically, even though it's their first time coming to your website, yeah. it might automatically trigger that they become a yeah. marketing qualified lead, which in fact flips directly over to a salesperson. Somebody downloads a blog, um, for example, HubSpot we sell inbound marketing software. Somebody downloads a blog around how do you write a press release, Mm -hmm. um, that more than likely will not be flipped to a salesperson. It will be nurtured until they come back to the website again. And the second time they might download a blog around inbound marketing techniques. The third time they might download a blog around um, how can inbound marketing improve lead generation. Now all of a sudden, if they've been to our website three times, we see that they've read, that will automatically be automated to be flipped to a salesperson. Mm-hmm. We can begin then to implement a sales process and bringing hopefully that lead through to close. I think well, not enough people have that conversation, do they, about what a qualified lead is, isn't it? From an agency viewpoint, it could create tension with the client, but from an in-house viewpoint, it can create friction between sales and marketing where you think you're doing an awesome job as a marketer firing leads, they're coming back to you saying either they're not the right people or they are the right people but they're not ready to buy yet. Yeah. I don't think enough people have that conversation really. Yeah, and this is where your job again as an agency comes in. It's going in there in terms of the, the inbound methodology. Stage one of the inbound yeah. methodology is attract. Yeah. And part of the attract is who is your audience? Who should you be driving to your website in the first place? Who are your target personas? And based on who your target personas are, what is the content strategy in driving your audience to your website? Yeah. Stage one is so important to get right. You need to really understand who your buyer personas are because if you get that wrong, everything else that follows through will be rubbish because you have the wrong lead going through the system the whole way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's absolutely key to get the attract stage correct at the start of methodology. We've had that with a client recently, haven't we? Uh, turns out, it was their direction, but they just went down completely the wrong route. So we were getting the leads, and they weren't a good fit. Yeah, <laughs> and then they were just yeah, no, you couldn't win any of them. They were going. We were getting them leads. They were going on pitches, and they weren't winning the pitches, mm, and they yeah. they positioned themselves wrongly in the market, hadn't they? Um, and that's that's. It's weird you as an agency going in and saying, what's what's your ideal company? And them having no answer. And that's where we have to add a lot of value and help them guide them through. And it happens a lot, helping guide them through that. And by the by the time we'd gone in and done that, we'd identified quite a different market for them, hadn't we? It was like a, a 10 times lower average order value, but it was much more high volume. It was better geographically <coughs> for them, etc. But then the knock-on effects, different tone of voice, different Everything we do is different. social tactics. Yeah. And then you're banging your head against the wall, like, mm. they're all leads, they're there. Yeah. Maybe, well, they're no good. No, definitely. One thing, one thing I've found quite interesting, we sit on the marketer's side of, of this table, and, and we find if it's not marketing driving the change in sales, it, it, it very rarely happens. So, obviously, sales is in this position now where marketing was 10 years ago, it's going through a change, there's, a, there's an inbound sales methodology, etc. But if we feel like if marketing wasn't going the same right, the user experience doesn't end with marketing. The user experience carries on into sales. You need to be 
consultative, you need to provide a personalised approach, etc, etc. And, and I often feel like that's marked and forcing sales to change. Mm-hmm. In most companies, is that the case? Or are there, are there companies where sales are going to market and let's change, let's have a better user customer experience? I don't, I don't want to bias my opinion because I've only sat the marketer's side of the table. Really. Yeah, I think, you know, if you can communicate and articulate to salespeople this approach, and then if you can prove that you can start generating good quality leads, and consist at a consistent volume, yeah. which you can through it, but it does take time, but you can through it by marketing. Absolutely, salespeople will sit up because most salespeople, the best salespeople, will be intrinsically self motivated and ultimately are in sales because they can make good money. Yeah. And if they're making good money and if they feel that the marketing team can help deliver much better quality leads, they will absolutely sit up and begin to take on board marketing's advice of. You mentioned the sales process of beginning to apply, you know, the inbound methodology when it comes to inbound sales. So yeah. it's like identify, connect, explore, and advise. And um, the key thing I think about uh, the inbound sales process, which is different to the marketing process, but the key thing is that for both, I suppose, is that it is a process, yeah. and it's a step by step. And it's no case going from step one to step three because you're going to miss things. Yeah. And the inbound sales process ultimately is a guide to make sure that the client that you're ultimately going to end up working with, potentially they will become, you know, in your case, if you're bringing on board for argument's sake, and if you're bringing on board a new client, you want to make sure that you can partner with them, yeah. that you can deliver value, that you don't leave any money on the table. Yeah, that you're working with. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, you want to make sure that this is going to be a good relationship for both parties. Yeah. And that's why I always say, it's, I would encourage you always to use the word partner. Yeah. But you're never going to understand that without having a very diligent sales process. And the sales process typically is, you know, the connect stage, which is understanding yeah. a person's pain point. Because... You're never going to close a deal if there's not if pain is not identified. Yeah. And assuming pain is identified at the connect stage and you've built the relationship and you've got a bit of rapport, it can be as quickly as quick as quick as a 15-20 minute conversation. You move to the next stage, always being transparent and open with the client about what the next stage will involve. So stage two will be the explore stage, discovery stage, whatever you want to call it. Um, and typically what that will be is you know, you're going to go in depth and making sure that you understand exactly what they are trying to achieve as a business, yeah. what timeline they're trying to achieve that, and why they ultimately need to achieve it. And that's normally the biggest step I find people miss is that deep dive, explore, discover yeah. on those businesses. They go, they go from connect yeah. to pitch, don't yeah. they? And I think that explores. Yeah. It's so vital, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, it, 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 they say now, like, you know, HubSpot, you know, mm-hmm. the, the discovery stage is the new close. Yeah. You really shouldn't be moving past the explore stage of a sales cycle, not unless you've got a fairly good understanding of who you're talking to in terms of authority, yeah. who are the stakeholders, do they have budget, can they afford your services or your particular product? Do they have challenges that you know you can solve? And too many times, because this, what we're trying to do in terms of, if you have a really succinct 
clear sales process. It allows you to qualify leads out at an early stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because sales ultimately is a numbers game. And the more successful you are, like for example, the last thing you want to get to is go through five different stages in the sales process. Get to proposal, and for every 10 proposals, you're only closing one. Yeah. That means you've worked an awful lot of leads just for a very low closure. What you want to get to is get to the final stage, which is proposal, where you're closing, for every two, you're closing one. Or potentially for every two proposals you're closing two. In other words, you don't move it through to where you spend an awful lot of time putting together the proposal without really feeling confident that this is definitely going to close. And in a lot of cases, yeah. driving there, going face to face, pitching, it's a day out a lot of, of time. Job, yeah. yeah, a lot of time, money, investment spent. Um, like, if you were to ask me what makes a really successful salesperson, I would say. Um, Salespeople who are really good at qualifying out yeah. at an early stage. Definitely. Absolutely key. What's, why is that? Because it saves so much time in the long run. Yeah, because they're essentially they're the smart salespeople. You it's know, quite a confident thing to do, especially if you oh, lead yeah. to not abundant early on. It's yeah. To say no to something is quite difficult. It's probably my. That's the thing I've struggled with most. Me, yeah. I'm not a salesperson. I just happen to sell stuff because I own a business. And I've, I'm way too nice. Like someone's on the phone, please help me. Of course I will. And that's always it. Even then yeah. you get to, you get there for free. Got, yeah. they've, got, <laughs> they've got a tenant in the pocket and you're like, okay, I probably can't quite help you. Yeah. But it's a, that, that's been my biggest learn as a, not a salesperson, but yeah. moving into the sales world is saying no more. I think that's how you found it. Please tune in next week for part two of the Sales and Marketing Alignment Podcast with Dermot Walsh.